Hello, my name's Holly Keir, and I'm part of the ERS Monograph Editorial Board as their early career member representative. I'm a translational scientist and postdoctoral researcher based at the University of Dundee in Scotland. Today, we're excited to be recording a new ERS podcast with a recently published monograph entitled Lung Diseases and Cancer. I'm delighted today to be joined by one of the guest editors for this latest monograph, Professor Kwon Fong. Kwon is a thoracic and sleep physician at the Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane, Australia, and a professor at the University of Queensland School of Medicine. Kwon's respiratory medicine career began with a PhD in the molecular genetics of lung cancer and a postdoctoral fellowship in lung cancer research. As a clinician scientist, Kwon remains focused on lung cancer assessment, diagnosis, early detection and screening to enable improved curative and personalised medicine approaches. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this morning. We are delighted to have you here and I guess it's evening for you in Brisbane. So I thought we'd just kick off today, if it's all right, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in the field of lung disease and cancer. Sure. Thank you very much, Holly. Well, it's a great pleasure and privilege to be here speaking on this podcast on behalf of my co-editors. I'm based in Brisbane and I'm an adult thoracic physician or pulmonologist or respirologist, depending where you come from in the world. And I work in a large teaching hospital affiliated with a university. I became interested in lung disease during my training. I did my initial basic medical training in the UK, then came out here to Australia. And during that time, I learned that through respiratory medicine, you could meet a whole range of people, a whole variety of different diseases that would not only allow you to exercise your mind, to use the knowledge you gained in medical school, but also to be able to do procedures as well. So it was a nice mix of different diseases, different exposures, and allowed a wide range of people to be helped, including, you know, respiratory medicine affects children to adults and to older people. So it was a wonderful and very satisfying professional career, I thought. And then cancer, I guess, because lung cancer for me, which is my interest, is such a big problem in the world, around the world, 2 million people a year diagnosed with lung cancer. And we see so much of it. We see the suffering, but we also see how lung cancer can be prevented and cured. So it was really an opportunity and a need, I think, that drove me to cancer. And I was then able to um, do some research, do some extra work, did some work in the States, and then come back to, to practice both adult respiratory medicine and lung cancer medicine as well. You're obviously very passionate about your field, which is great. So why is this edition of the monograph so important? Well, that's a great question. You know, the ERS monograph is a, a wonderful quality book series from the ERS, of course. And it is really well recognised as being able to cover specific areas and providing imparting knowledge to clinicians of of all levels with a very concise and systematic and comprehensive guide to current thinking in terms of the clinical presentations as well as the underlying science in a particular topic. In this case, it's lung disease and cancer, not just lung cancer, but cancer as a whole. So I think it's attractive in this sense. And I was very privileged to work with two wonderful co-editors, Miguel Angel Martinez-Garcia, who called MA, who was our leader, and Mina Gaga, I think is well known, and a former president of the ERS, who have great knowledge in both science and also clinical practice. And together, I think we hope, at least we were able to bring together a, a monograph that encompasses the latest advances and is useful for clinicians who deal with both lung diseases and come across cancer during their practice. 
So what would you say were the key take-home messages from this monograph for clinicians? You know, the key take-home messages are that these diseases, respiratory diseases and cancer, are such important diseases. I think we all know that, you know, chronic respiratory disease is a major problem for our world today. Non-communicable diseases is on the WHO agenda for sustainable disease goals for 2030. And I've spoken about lung cancer, but cancer per se killed about 10 million people in 2018. So these are important topics with great population impacts and are potentially treatable and reversible and preventable. So uh, it's a great opportunity for us to learn how to address these two together. Because they're so common, of course, they occur in many of the patients we see at the same time. And because of the rapid advances in both these areas, it is really critical for clinicians to get on top of both the science as well as the clinical practice changes that have come about because of scientific discoveries, implementation of new therapies and interventions that are continually being developed. You've talked a bit about the clinical aspects of this monograph, but who else in the wider ERS readership do you think might benefit from reading this edition? Oh, well, I think because it covers the science as well as the developments and as well as the clinical focus on outcomes for patients and our communities, I think people who have an interest in lung disease generally, people who have also an interest in research will benefit from reading it and understanding some of the new advances. There are many advances across many fields in medicine, as we know today, with all the new therapies coming on board. And the impacts are sometimes subtle, but they can both directly and indirectly affect outcomes for people. So I think it's potentially useful for all different professional domains to have an understanding of the rapid changes and the potential benefits of learning about both respiratory diseases and cancer. That's great. I mean, I'm a translational scientist and I certainly found it a very interesting and informative read. Oh, that's great. It's clear from the chapters that most lung diseases increase the risk of lung cancer. Are there things that pulmonologists caring for diseases like COPD, sleep apnea or ILD should be doing differently to reduce the risk of lung cancer in their patients? You know, prevention is clearly the most important part of our work. You know, tobacco control, I think we're all very geared towards that. But we also need to understand that there are other carcinogens, uh, new carcinogens besides the ones we recognize, things like smoking, asbestos exposure, dust and fumes, air pollution, diesel, new ones that come across Due to the changing world that we have, we talk about climate change and air pollution. These are the things, I think, which are going to be prominent now for the next generation. And I think as clinicians, as our public health practitioners, we need to be cognizant of the new, less common risk factors that are associated with various cancers and to try and ensure that the community we serve have a good understanding and are able to partake in lifestyle changes to avoid some of these environmental risk factors. You mentioned climate change there. I was particularly interested in the chapter on future challenges. I think this is the first time that I've seen a monograph chapter devoted to the future impact of air pollution and climate change on cancer risk. How do you see those issues affecting lung cancer rates in the future? I guess we are all in the state now that we see the effects of climate change on our everyday lives. Here in Australia, we have bushfires, we have floods. And they are just manifestations of what can occur. And air pollution, natural disasters such as bushfires can directly affect lung diseases and influence lung outcomes. And then the future, because of these health challenges, may mean that less access for people in low and middle income countries to 
good quality healthcare, less access to our timely healthcare. These are all going to impact on our health. And therefore, you know, I think in keeping with that, we recognize that we all have a collective part to play in dealing with climate change and air pollution. And therefore, it's not just learning what air pollution does for diseases, but also learning our role in providing healthcare and our use of healthcare resources, how this could be improved to mitigate the subsequent consequences on the generations that are to come after us. We know important science is coming through. For instance, air pollution is linked to lung cancer and has been recognized as such. Only recently this year has a study from the UK actually identified that air pollution stirs up the inflammatory milieu in the lung and causes underlying mutations, DNA and gene mutations to become more active and actually lead to cancer, which occurs in never smokers. And these people who've never smoked have a terrible burden because they don't know the cause of the cancer. And information like this is going to help us both understand research and also develop clinical interventions to prevent these awful diseases. So another hot topic addressed in Chapter 5 as part of the discussion on smoking and cancer was the potential relationship between vaping and cancer. Why did you think it was important to address this in this edition of the monograph? You know, vaping is a very topical subject at the moment. And of course, you know, there are differences around the world in terms of how vaping is perceived. I think because we recognise that these uncertainties, there are parts of the world where vaping is supported and other parts where vaping is really a no-no. And we can see that the evidence is emerging. Vaping is a very young field. We don't have long-term studies. The reports are somewhat conflicting in terms of both their efficacy and also the toxicity. Therefore, we thought it's important to make sure that people are up to date as much as they can so that they can shape their own ideas, but also keep abreast of the information that's coming. There are many new uh, research projects going on in this area to know whether this is truly going to be something useful or not. We need to still be aware that there are potential downsides, unintended consequences such as the gateway effect or whether young people take up smoking after starting vaping. All those things are really critical. And I think we felt that it was important for us to acknowledge that this intervention is there and to really understand about it to make sure we use it properly and don't misuse it for the future. The middle part of the monograph is devoted to the bi-directional relationships between different diseases like COPD, emphysema, ILD and others with lung cancer. What do you think are the key messages for clinicians who look after these diseases and maybe aren't doing lung cancer as their primary focus? Ah, yes. Again, you know, one can get very caught up in one subspecialty. And I think, uh, you know, we're all guilty of that because we are so focused in trying to get to the nitty gritty. But it's important to realize, I guess, that some of these have common genetic and environmental risk factors that need to be addressed. Some of these diseases impact on each other directly. For instance, with cancer nowadays, as you know, the immunotherapeutics is coming of age. And there are many, many cancers now which respond well to immuno-oncology agents. And these have a direct effect on the lung in terms of inflammation and pneumonitis. And also the treatments we give for certain lung disease, immunomodulators can also affect the immune surveillance intrinsic to our own bodies of controlling cancer and suppressing cancer progression. So I think um, as we learn more and more science through fantastic discoveries from scientists like yourself, you know, at the bench and taking this through to the clinic, we need to be cognizant of what's developing and also to make sure that we, we use the latest evidence to ensure that if you have both diseases because they're so prevalent, that we 
are able to make sure that we still achieve the best outcomes we can for both those conditions. That's great. You mentioned sort of the advances in precision medicine. And another key chapter I think readers will be interested in is concerns and pulmonary effects of new cancer treatments. There's obviously been this revolution in precision medicine treatments for lung cancer in the past 10 years, but is this creating new challenges in terms of treatment? Oh, yes. I think it just mentioned that, you know, some of the immunotherapies can affect the lung and other parts of the body through the development of autoimmune diseases uh, by affecting the immunity and causing things like pneumonitis, which can be fatal in some cases. So absolutely, it's important to know the limitations, also the side effects and how to deal with them for the clinician and also for the patient. It's a, you know, quite a uh, a stark reminder to have to stop your cancer, your effective cancer treatment because of the development of side effects. And there's a lot of work here and there's a lot I think is going to come in the next few years to help us again learn to use this agent more effectively and to uh, improve the benefits to our patients. Not only that, things like screening are important because screening for lung cancers, for instance, which has been shown to reduce lung cancer deaths, can also uh, define and discover other diseases, lung diseases such as COPD, interstitial lung diseases. And so, again, on the other side of the coin, people dealing with cancer should also uh, be aware the importance of these other chronic lung diseases and how the outcomes from those diseases can be improved just through the sheer process of thinking about it during the time of their cancer management. Great, thank you. I think it's great that you've highlighted these issues in the monograph for clinicians to think about. Talking a little bit more about treatments for cancer, consistent themes throughout the monograph are that lung diseases contribute to cancer risk through hypoxia, inflammation and oxidative stress. Do you see these as areas where we might be able to develop preventative treatments for cancer in the future? Yes, absolutely. I think I mentioned the most recent example of air pollution through people with underlying mutations. So some people have underlying mutations in normal cells in the normal lung. And the uh, UK group led by uh, Professor Swanton showed that air pollution can activate these mutations and cause some inflammatory cascades through various cytokines. And these rate-limiting steps, certainly things that affect these cytokines, damp down the inflammatory pathway, may be able to prevent or reduce the chance of getting cancer. So absolutely, getting to the fundamentals through good science, good discovery through lab and clinical interactions is always and will always be the way to go, I think. And in a similar vein, what will the future bring to the field of lung disease and cancer? You know, for us researchers and clinicians, I think the future is very bright. There are so many discoveries now. The technologies that we have are allowing us to understand precision medicine, genomics, proteomics, and all the omics are starting to come of age. We need to couple this to, you know, good clinical science, clinical trials, implementation science, and of course, you know, ultimately, what's going to make a difference globally is not just working in our area, but to ensure the whole world moves along with us. Low and middle income countries are all brought along. And to this end, we need to work with and support efforts such as the UN Sustainable Development Goals to improve health, reduce uh, premature mortality from non-communicable disease by, third, by 2030, provide universal health care. These are the steps, the big picture steps that will help us together as a people enjoy better life and a longer life expectancy. That's brilliant. Thank you for giving us such informative, interesting answers to our questions today. I think this is going to give a lot of food for thought for our readers, our listeners. I do have one final question, and this may be the most challenging question for a guest editor. I don't want to get you into trouble with any of your co-authors, but 
Did you have a favourite or a must-read chapter or chapters in this edition of The Lonograph? I think they're all favourite must-read chapters, and I must pay great tribute to our co-editors, M.A., as we call him, and Mina, have been instrumental and totally devoted in driving this to make sure it is useful to across as many people as, as we can make it. I'm sorry they can't be here today, but I'm sure I speak for them in thanking the ERS also for putting forward the source and the uh, chief editor of the monograph, Peter Calverly, for leading us in this area. And I hope that this will make a difference for people and people will enjoy reading this. Thank you for joining us today, Con, on the Monograph podcast, and along with the whole of the ERS Monograph Publications team for producing this excellent issue. I would encourage the respiratory community to read this edition, which delves into cancer in the lung, exploring the common causal pathways of lung cancer and lung disease, and how they interact to influence the management of patients. This brings us to the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next time.